Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Knowledge Panel Show, where we'll be talking today about analytics for content websites. We've got a brilliant panel, uh, although we're a bit thin on the ground today. We've got uh, Marco Giordano and Sara Taya. Um, so I'm just going to quickly introduce both of them. Um, well, we're going to let them introduce themselves. So Marco, why don't you go first? Um, who are you and, and why are you um, talking about this subject with us today? Okay, so I'm actually a content SEO, but my other specialist, since I have like two jobs, we can say, is being a data analyst. And my favorite target, my favorite audience, we can say, is mostly about content websites, B2C content websites. But this can also apply to B2B. This is what they do. So coding, a little bit of statistics, math, if necessary, and coding. Brilliant. And Sarah? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sarah. I've been doing SEO for nine years. I've worked both in-house and agency side, and um, I also do consulting. And yeah, I'm happy to be here today. <laughs> it was lovely to have you, Sarah. Thank you for coming on. Okay, so we're going to start really broad, go as broad as you like. Um, but the first question I want to just chuck out there is, what are analytics? What is analytics? What is the purpose of them? And why are we all so obsessed with them? Why is it this buzzword in SEO? Uh, essentially, it would be the practice, we can say, of finding patterns in data. And according to the definition you give, because it has been largely affected by marketing, we can say, it can either be for generating questions, so mostly for asking good questions, or it can also involve, since analytics is one, because it's a, you know, it's a field, okay? It's a discipline. It can also be about other steps that go past, go beyond asking questions. So it can also involve testing, testing hypotheses or questions and doing experiments. So it depends on your definition, on which one you try to prefer. I prefer the first one, which would mm. be descriptive. Descriptive means you simply describe data, and based on these aggregations, summaries, you start asking good questions. So it would be generating hypotheses or questions based on data. I would like to say that even in real life, when we want to make a decision, we look at all the information we have related to that decision. We look about uh, at like uh, related experiences, other people's experiences, and we have the saying that history repeats itself. And that's the same in analytics when we take it online and in digital world as well. So that's why this is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my next question will be, um, how has the landscape of analytics for content websites changed in the past five years? Because like everything in SEO, things can just turn on its head. So I was wondering, um, since you guys have a lot of um, experience, how has it all changed in the in the past five years? Or since you even started, even, we can broaden it to that. Years ago, there was an obsession or the main thing we're looking at was rankings that was like when you say analytics and that was like rankings and sessions that was like the main thing but now there's more awareness and a more um informed way of looking at different metrics before launching content before creating it at all and afterwards as well maybe the only thing that is still lacking we can say is the low level of i mean the, the our industry seo per se has a very low level in analytics in compared to other industries like finance, healthcare, because many people, in my opinion, tend to consider SEO not as a vertical, as an industry, but as something different. So I think this also affects how we you know, study and perceive this stuff. Because 
usually when you talk about SEO, you talk about SEO for travel websites, SEO for a specific vertical, but even SEO itself it's a is a vertical after all. So we should have like more, how can I say, literature on the topic. Yeah, so it's, that's interesting actually. What you're kind of saying there is over the past five years, even though it's a really essential thing, the past five years hasn't really made it that much more popular or or that much yep. of the center of, of everyone's attention, which is actually really interesting because you're right. If we were to go into any other industry, analytics is like the bread and butter of it all. So, yeah, that's a really interesting um, uh, perception of it. Uh, so I guess a pretty quick, um, uh, uh, what is it, segue is to quickly talk to you about the most important metrics you guys are looking out for. And I know that that's going to be maybe a broad question, but <laughs> I'd love to hear what, what, what you personally think we should be looking out for. I usually go for the following, excluding uh, the basic metrics, the standard ones. So clicks, impressions, mm -hmm. these ones you go, you go by default by pulling from data sources. So these, these you already have. I usually love to have custom metrics. Of course, there isn't a definitive answer because it changes depending on the analysis, on the scope. But I always use, I mean, two in particular. The first one is unique query count. So this means mm -hmm. in practice that for every page, okay, you would aggregate by page and then have a column, right? where you have the unique, the distinct, sum of queries that page is ranking for, which is good for as a leading indicator for quantifying which pages may be more interesting, okay? But again, this alone is not useful. You have to combine it with other metrics. You can also use ratios like clicks over unique query count and so on. So you can, you can have many derived metrics to measure the importance of some of your clusters or individual pages. The, the other one, which I, I actually did with a friend of mine. So it's, I mean, the idea was mine. The execution was not mine. It was about content decay. So when you have to measure uh, the progress of a page, many do the mistake of taking the last period and subtracting the first period. So if I have, I don't know, the last day of the year, okay, and I have 1,000 clicks, okay, and they take the first day of January of the same year, Probably this wouldn't be indicative because you don't know what happens is the, in the middle. It's a point-wise difference. It means you are comparing B and A, two periods. So what we did instead is to create this matrix, which is called content decay. That is actually the slope of a function. So it means it's a value, it's a number, okay, which can be positive or negative, or even close to zero. And depending on its value, it tells you if, that, if a page is decaying. So if you're losing traction, based on the metric you select, as long as it's a number, of course. And the other one, which is not really, I mean, it's more for classification, would be to classify pages by performance or by metrics. For instance, if you have a page getting zero clicks and, I don't know, 10,000 impressions, you could say create a new variable where such a threshold would qualify this page to be, I don't know, opportunity, and so on. Mm -hmm. So this is what they usually do in every case. I also would like to add that what matrix you would use depends on what you're trying to do. Like if you are before you're just starting off, you haven't created any content yet. You want to look about the num at the number of pages published, the number of pages crawled, um, 
stuff like that, uh, number of keywords you have right now, you're ranking for right now. And then um, these actually can help you also get buy-in when you show that you, for example, not ranking for a lot of keywords, then we need to update to rank for more keywords and so on. And then you have the end or goal or the business goal matrix, stuff like conversions um, and, and increase in traffic, right? Uh, so these are like at a high level, these are the most important ones I would start with. I agree. And I also, I also would include um, costs because uh, this is something no one usually discusses it and I kind of agree because it's not really SEO, but it makes sense. So if you have to convince most clients, but also because it makes sense, uh, someone was talking about it the other day. Uh, I don't recall who. Uh, many people are not paid to prevent damage or money loss because for most owners, SEO is only grow growth. It's not prevention, mm. right? So if you take into account costs, you can also estimate, not forecast, simply estimate. So financial, calculations, like net present value, very basic stuff. You can estimate what would be the return, the advantage of implementing something, like time saving via, via automation or whatever. So mm -hmm. I completely agree with Sarah, because actually what she said is not very common, because if you ask in the industry, no one actually talks about uh, financial metrics. So we should widening this this idea of analytics to include actual kind of social aspects of uh, SEO yeah. as well. I suppose not social, but more financial things, things that aren't yeah. so linked directly to SEO. But yeah, yeah, no, you are right. It's it's one of these things. And that's why I think your point earlier was so prominent. It's just there isn't there isn't that sort of um, emphasis on analytics and SEO to to guide sort of client. I don't know. Um, decisions when really it's almost seems like the only thing we can try and rely on that being said um i kind of would love to talk about some common misconceptions about website analytics so have you experienced some things maybe where people are trying to explain analytics in a way to clients that isn't really beneficial perhaps like i think sarah was saying earlier um it was all on just positions and there's rankings and stuff. And um, is this still a misconception that we have um, or is it is it getting a bit better? A misconception or a way that we look at data that could use uh, improvement is we are obsessed with looking at SEO data and sometimes we forget to look at data from other channels as well. Mm. Um, and this is really important if, for, for example, you're doing content pruning and you want to clean up deadweight pages and you can come up with like a list of URLs and say, these did not get any traffic in the last 12 months. They need to go or whatever. But you're looking at search data. But what about if these are performing well in social, for example, right? Um, or yeah. other whatever, like whatever they're using this to, pr to promote or promoting it elsewhere. Maybe it's bringing traffic and this is where you need to make sure you're including, you know, uh, other data and looking at the bigger picture before coming up with that recommendation, because the client is going to take your word for it. This, this is not useful. They're, they're going to work on that, but it's not their job really to go and double check that, you know, they, they is there any other channel, you know, uh, having data, for, uh, performance data or using this. So you need to look at all the data, not just SEO when it comes to, uh, it obviously depends on the task you're working on, but 
something like um, removing pages, this is really important that you consider uh, different uh, channels as well. Um, that's that's one thing. Uh, th that's one common misconception. Another one is, um, and it's common as well. When you start working on a new website, sometimes the clients come, client come in and says, uh, "Okay, uh, we want to do SEO. These are the most important pages. We want to optimize them." And it's easy to like jump the gun and start working on those pages because these are the money pages, the most important pages, and so on. But uh, if you take a step back and actually look at the, the performance of those pages, sometimes they are maybe like a bottom of funnel money page, their, their main conversion page, it's ranking fourth on the first page, for example. So is it wise to invest so much effort to try to push it from fourth to third versus investing that, that uh, effort into a page that's ranking on second or third page and try to push it a bit higher and, uh, you know, or, or to the first page, the, the value you're going to get Probably, and obviously, again, you need to look at the data, but the value you're going to get from optimizing a page that's on the second or third page and the effort are more uh, logical and the math would add up versus trying to push a page on average from fourth to third or from third to second. The value is so um, jumping right away into like these are the most important pages. We need to optimize them with, without looking deeply into the data and the value these can bring is also some some uh, a common a common. Um, I would say common, not misconception. I'm not sure that's the right word, but yeah, it's it's a pitfall. Yeah, I completely agree, especially about the uh, the source, because of course some pages, as Sarah said, are not supposed to rank. We can say they are mainly navigational or you know just a doorway pages. We can say so to buy, to convert, to do an action and and something. Uh, I wanted to add. Uh, even though it's completely different, uh, that the probably the most harmful stuff that they see on social media, that is like super super popular, super popular, always been. So you can say it's new because it's always been. Is when people, and this goes back to the first question or the second, confuse assumptions with conclusions. So mm. if I have a spreadsheet and I saw this on LinkedIn, so this exists. With ah, these pages have a, have a green column. We're getting money, and you make conclusions out, out of that. It's not possible because you're not proving it. it. Doesn't work like that. It's not a method. You're just describing data. That's mm. why you always need to ad admit the difference between describing, doing diff doing inference, okay, and mm -hmm. running experiments, because they are different things. And the other thing that is quite common in marketing, it's not SEO. Uh, it's marketing and management, I would say, because in university, I was always hearing these buzzwords. It's data-driven. It doesn't make any sense because no, there is a reason. It's not my preference. Because in general, data alone don't contain anything. So you can only be informed by data, according to some authors, because, of course, data can inform you, but then you have to give your human component. You have to give your own judgment. Data-driven is the usual buzzword we see in SEO, let's be honest, that is used to describe, oh, okay, I know how to use Tag Manager and Looker Studio. This is my biggest complaint because uh, when we confuse this, even though it's only a word, we are misusing it. And then maybe if you're actually good at the job, you get bundled in a different you know, package because those mm. are different things.
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. So uh, I guess a really good thing to go off of that um, would be how do uh, we start to balance the the need for data-driven decision-making uh, with the need for creativity and content? Like you kind of touched on it there. Um, I feel like data and data and creativity often feel like they clash. So how are we selling this to people to say we need we can live with both or or who who gets the who gets the last say? Is it the creative or is it the data? Uh, is it the analyst? I want to say that in my opinion, creative, mm -hmm. because I told you, data shouldn't review; they should inform mm -hmm. you. So I don't care if something, according to data, is in a way if it affects my creativity, especially now that you know there is this terror of having standardized content due to LLMs. Mm -hmm. So even more, I mean. We know that in reality, I mean, you should always have quality content on paper. In practice, it's very different because many people have started preaching so after yeah. EAT and these guidelines. But in theory, it should always be like that. So I will always vote for the for content, creativity. Yeah, I agree with uh, Marco, but I also want to say it's there. there are a lot of ways to not get that situation to either or it can be data driven and creative like they don't have to clash against each other and um i think just reiterating what, what marco said we cannot uh afford not being creative right now because anything that's standardized anything that's you know it can be um created by by ai right now anything that which is just basically a reiteration of what's in search, uh, so we need cre creativity is, is is essential now in content. That's that's uh, you need copywriters to add their unique angle, um, and um, Google also is um, focusing uh, more and more on the experience part and personal experience of the copywriter as well. So um, yeah, I, I totally agree with Mark on this. Yeah, I think I agree with both of you too. From what I've seen, um, sort of in the entity space, and and everyone I've been talking to is um, honestly go go human led, and then let the data sort of catch up and guide you before you post it. And it's it's helping a lot with um, the way I'm approaching content um, to to sort of think data as I don't know. You sort of think it like they mix and match, don't you? You have a data at the beginning to have an idea of what to write about, then human, then data, then human, then data. It's just, you can't have one without the other. Um, so I guess let's go on to talking a little bit more about content creation for this is um, about content websites. So how can we take analytics? Um, any Anything that you have um, talked about earlier and and use this to make a, a content um plan content creation how should analytics be informing how we write um this can be quite literally from any angle i'm happy to hear anything so obviously keywords social media anything like this um take it away the, the way i use it usually uh when i start is when you look at content there are three things you that you can do it's either uh create new content update existing ones or remove, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the page. So this is where you're going to use the data accordingly. So 
creating new content. This is where you need to explore what's going on, what what the gaps you have, that uh, what your cap- competitors are doing, your not gaps you have, and so on. Obviously, you're going to look at keyword data uh, a lot there um, and uh, topics. And then you go to next is what you need to update. Again, you're going to this is where you you look at performance and value and buyer journey and where this piece of content is in the buyer journey and the value it can bring um, in terms of uh, traffic and then and conversions and then uh, the last one uh, or the last resort is removing a page which is not bringing any value and as I said um, it's a good practice to look at performance data from all channels um, before making a decision to remove a page uh, that's like at a high level. I completely agree. And mostly, uh, as Sarah was saying, uh, implying, it's always about the process, right? Because it's always three outcomes or something like that where you have to update, write, or delete. But you can take it to the next level and keep always keeping it simple and defining priority groups. Like, what would mm-hmm. be the priority, the threshold? Because uh, this stuff is usually more powerful if you have a big website, like 5K pages, 10K pages. If you have a few hundreds, it's okay, but it's not usually that satisfying. Um, In general, if you have more, I recommend uh, splitting uh, by Mm. priority groups and maybe disorder, batches, how you want to call them, uh, because it's a very good practice. So you can do what Sarah said, essentially. For sure. I think also it's worth mentioning here is um, that amazing flow chart that Aleda has. I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's just uh, on whether we should be pruning contents um, and all of this based on on what you guys are saying. So, uh, yeah, I'll I'll probably link to this afterwards in in a comment, um, but it's well worth a a view. Um, Okay, let's get on something a little bit more concrete then, which is... um, are there any tools or platforms that you guys are finding particular, particularly useful uh, for website analytics? So for um, data sources, so mm-hmm. for what you're going to use, of course, Screaming Frog uh, or and Sitebulb, whatever you want. Uh, SAMrush or Ahrefs, Search Console API, Google Analytics uh, API, uh, Content Plans, if they have them, because uh, it's one of my favorite sources because sometimes they have cluster data, and mm-hmm. this is very convenient. And additional data, financial data, and whatever they have. For the platforms or the tools, because I put them together, I would say Gaffy, which is uh, essentially it's a tool to, uh, you know it, Jamie, it's a tool to visualize graphs or cytoscape. Yeah, oh, graphy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of those two. Then, of course, Python or SQL as tools, because I, mm-hmm. I try to double with them all. Uh, BigQuery as a platform, because it's mostly for the connections. It's easy to set up. It's Google. Mm-hmm. I have some complaints about Google tools, because documentation is terrible, but still it does the job. And then I don't actually recall, because that's what they usually do. Uh, the rest is only the IDE and the stuff to run the, you know, the programming languages and whatever. So I would say this one. Wow, that's a huge amount of tools. And uh, Looker Studio, of course, Looker Studio or Power BI, <laughs> depending on them. Brilliant. Sarah, do you have any to add on to this? Uh, it's really hard to add. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure if you mentioned Hotjar. Uh, I would also look at Hotjar, but yeah. uh, but yeah, you've yeah. covered like literally, uh, yeah. 
Is there any tools that are trying to do everything at once for you? Have you guys found that magic tool yet? Or is there nothing out there? Do we have to compile tools after tools after tools? I feel it's always, even if there was one, I wouldn't rely on it. I think it's always a good idea to look at different tools always right um yeah it's like looking at different perspectives and so i i wouldn't rely i don't think there is one and if there was one i would still look at different tools still be dubious yeah that's a really interesting <laughs> point actually um and you've got to think that there's loads of tools where they're getting probably the data from the same places anyway and you don't even realize you're paying probably for a few different tools that are just grabbing data from the same the same area so yes. it's always good to keep going um yeah it does sound expensive though being into analytics guys what do you think about this is it a really accessible place to be in <laughs> yes me looker studio is free uh, limited but free bigquery is mm -hmm. very cheap and if you have to pay it's not your money someone else will pay for it so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> some russian hrefs everyone mm -hmm. uses them so anyway coding is free and mm -hmm. The other tools, okay, Power BI, but usually you don't use Power BI for your hobbies. It's within an mm. ecosystem. Tableau, okay, Tableau is expensive. If you want to use it, it's quite expensive. But I told you, usually you either did use them from taxes or someone else is paying for them. Mm. So this is how you go through it, I think. Yeah, um, I agree. Is it? Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. No, I agree. Uh, there are a few good uh, free tools. And then, yeah, the rest, someone else is going to pay for them. <laughs> someone else is going to pay. <laughs> this is links back into what we were saying earlier about um, using analytics to say how much we, we should be, how much these things are actually worth. Yeah. Um, and the sort of um, the, the revenue growth that is the, the, that's arising from it, I guess. Um, but then I get that the next part is 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 really um, as well as the analytics, you have to have these tools like the with, like Graphy and stuff that, that do really take what you you've got in your brain of someone who is sort of all on it for the numbers and give that to a client. And I think sometimes that part is one of the hardest parts yeah. for SEOs because it's detangling all of this messy stuff yeah. and trying to get anything out there and sort of on reporting so do you guys have any tips on how to report these kinds of numbers is it good to go granular is it good to go for a huge sort of um big report all at once um i don't know how you guys approach this with your with your work this time this time i don't think it's our fault because i tried both usually i simplify i dump it down as as much as i can but sometimes it happens that if you do a detailed job, they tell you, no, it's too much. If it is too simple, they tell you, no, this costs too much. It's too simple. So I think it's also luck. In my opinion, it's also luck and understanding your audience. Because it happened to me that something was complex. Other times it was too simple. And I'm like, what? So I think you have to find the right balance based on your mm. on psychology, on, you know, <laughs> on the other party. You have to be very careful. Because mm -hmm. sometimes people want more technical stuff, not too technical, a little bit longer, like more insightful, okay? Mm -hmm. Other times they want some like two PowerPoint slides and they usually don't like those situations because mm -hmm. it doesn't even make any, any sense, right? So I usually try to remove all the jargon, to cut it, uh, to replace terms, 
like instead of saying, I, don't, I mean, queries would be the correct word, but usually people mm -hmm. want to hear keywords. Or all of this jargon, I try to replace. I try to have executive summary, uh, some shiny plots, infographics, because it is true. Many people, also C-level, don't actually read. They just skim because they don't have time. So I think also Loom. Loom is fine. I don't use it much, but I think it's quite good. Uh, so yeah, I think it depends on your audience, but it's also luck because sometimes some requests are very hard to satisfy. So it's not always our fault. Yeah, I, I agree. I uh, I really think it depends on the person you're talking to and the client. And I I I always less is more. Like throwing tons of data at the client or at, at the stakeholders is not helpful. Um, Looker Studio is. I, I usually I, I used to start with Looker Studio um, dashboards, but then I noticed people end up not using it sometimes. Right. So um, I would. What I would do is I would send like a weekly or a bi-weekly or a monthly, depending on how what the client wants, uh, recap of the performance. And um, I also have like a discussion with them to understand what matters for them most. And um, it, it, it it's better to narrow it down to what the person you're talking to uh, is looking for. Like if you're talking to content people, they're very much interested in like the nitty gritty of how the content performs, even on a URL level. Uh, but if you're talking to a CEO, all they care about basically is conversions, uh, transactions, stuff like that. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's so um, you have to adapt yourself uh, based on who you're talking to and why why they're talking to you on that very day and stuff, which is just it's crazy that something so that feels so black and white as you know data and analytics has so much politics behind it when you're trying to deliver it to, <laughs> yes. to clients and stuff which is um yeah it's really interesting observation i think um and one that it just goes to show that these kinds of jobs they require so they they require these people skills along with number skills along with you know um showing value in a way that makes sense it's it's really crazy. So I don't envy um, anyone trying to get into it right now. I guess also I would like to say is um, when you're the person that's providing the data, or I suppose you're not really providing the data, but you're interpreting the data, you kind of are in quite a powerful position there. Um, as you're saying, you know, this is this, and and uh, I think we should do it based on on this. Two things I would say I would love to get your opinion on is first how are you making sure that this data is accurate um and uh two what are the sort of ethical implications of delivering data like this to to people that are just sort of blindly following you um it's big questions but yeah take it away for for if you if you have anything to add so as i said i like to look at different uh tools to make yeah. sure you know whatever we're doing is um, makes sense and adds up, um, that's that's one thing. And also, you need to make sure your data is clean before you start working on it. Um, uh, so a recent um, situation I know came across recently is that I pulled data for 
performance from GA4 and started working on it. And then like halfway through, I realized that for some reason, the, the URLs, each URL had two versions, one with a trailing slash and one without. Mm. And each has different number of sessions. And you're like, it, it, it did mess up like everything I was doing. And uh, because you would say, oh, this URL is not performing. Well, there's a different version of it that's actually performing. <laughs> um, so it's, it's it was a mess. You had, and I had to like, redo everything um so it's a good idea to clean the data first uh another and and when you talk about the ethical part of data there there are a few things and one of them is um obviously uh being transparent on all but um sometimes withholding data right like you are painting when you as you said having being the storyteller of the data puts you in a very powerful position and uh, I've seen situations where people for political reasons would withhold data right um, and and maybe that's not uh, how things like that 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 definitely isn't very ethical if it, especially when it's very essential to the conversation right um, you cannot go and talk to CEOs for example without mentioning conversions it doesn't make sense Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, stuff like that. So and, and then protecting the data of your clients, obviously, is very important. Um, you always need to make sure that the the, the like if, if you hired uh, like in the past, I've hired freelancers to help me with some of the work. Um, once their the work is done, I remove them from the folders, for example, that we were working on. Um, mm. You need to make sure that the client's data are protected uh you have an ethical responsibility for this even if they're not going to find out uh sometimes people have been uh, like if i want to sh share a sample of work with someone i would go even if no one is going to know you still remove all the data all anonymize the entire document right mm -hmm. um yeah so uh yeah that's in summary marco do you have anything to add uh yes um, I mean, Sarah was speaking about checking the data, like the example of the training slash. Mm -hmm. And yes, it would be an example of data cleaning, which is something many people skip. Because usually while you, when you are cleaning, you should remove you know, all the filler pages, what you don't care, or if you have problems, like Sarah outlined. So if you have some of these problems, you have to report them, right? But also, I would say that you, don't, you can't really check always or modify the quality of your data. First of all, because in SEO, we are very limited. We don't have mm -hmm. much data compared to finance, healthcare. They have other problems like security, privacy, whatever. But in SEO, we are limited to third-party tools, SEMrush, Ahrefs, eLinks, any tool, and first-party data like Search Console analytics. But when Google tells you, look, our, da uh, our data is not even accurate, we are not left with much choice excluding cleaning data and doing some checks because Google doesn't provide us with accurate data. So they should be used directionally. So to give you a range, to give you an idea, right? And for third party data, I'm not a big fan because search volume is highly misleading mm -hmm. and keyword difficulty for me is a completely wrong metric. Uh, but also pos average position in Search Console. I mean, a lot of stuff are tricky. So the only thing we can do is reading the documentation and understanding how they are calculated because mm -hmm. we don't really have anything else to do if the sources are those ones and you can't change them. You can ask Google, please make them more accurate because mm -hmm. 
it's not your company, of course. So this is what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So it's I really loved how you said uh, in Sarah's like um, you're the storyteller of the of the data, and we kind of have to not cherry pick, not yeah. uh, deliver things, not withhold. Absolutely, what you're saying, Marco. I, I absolutely agree. Um, but it's um, it's a minefield, guys. This is this is a hard job. I'm seeing quite a, a big insight into this. Um, so I guess we'll sort of start to finish on um, on some final notes. I was wondering if you guys had any tips on maybe communities or um, like open sources, something free, even some really good courses that you guys have found um, for viewers or listeners about how how to really get to grips with analytics for seo especially for content websites um because it does seem so broad and i I'm, i myself am almost stuck at the you know keyword difficulty and keyword volume stage because that's all we seem to get so um do you guys have any input from that there are some sources on seo and one <laughs> is uh, usually well when i started I'm talking about analytics, not coding, because coding okay. alone is not analytics. It's only a tool, a means. I would say Elias Dabba's articles or OnCrawl, there is good material on OnCrawl. Mm -hmm. Then I to do the self-product placement, but I have an e-book on the topic, which is analytics for SEO, which I usually mm -hmm. exp expand every month. And then I recommend not studying from SEOs, but studying from actual you know, the analytics books you find at universities, in college, or in general, as long as they are mm. generic and they're not too specific, like for finance, uh, biology, they are too specific. But if you have books, I recommend the following because I have a full list. Uh, the first one would be Data Literacy in Practice, which is uh, very, I mean, a very quality book. I didn't expect it, honestly. And it tells you... A lot of stuff I told you today with more frameworks, more accuracy. It's a very nice read, um, beginner level, I would say, uh, if you read carefully. Then there are also other books like Business Analytics, which is, in my opinion, it's very similar to SEO. Could be compared for some things, mm -hmm. some, only some. And the usual mainstream books like R4 Data Science, which is written by Hadley Wickham, which is like the god of R, the programming language. Uh, which is a very good analytical basis because it, it, it also teaches you how to actually do things. And good old, for some people, Excel or Google Sheets courses because after all, for simple use cases, spreadsheets are fine. So those would be good starting points. And maybe if you feel brave, you can also um, then check some more advanced books that are also about methodology, or more mm -hmm. abstract theoretical stuff that is very simple, but it's more abstract, right? Without code mm -hmm. that can be useful for what Sarah said, C-level meetings or this stuff. And I'm still going through some of them, uh, but those are only recommended once you know how to do the, uh, no, the usual mm -hmm. stuff. Otherwise you don't actually use them. Yeah, absolutely. That was really great. Thanks, Marco. Uh, do you have anything to add there, Sarah? I, I just want to say it's very impressive everything you mentioned, Marco. Re really, that's that's very uh, in depth and uh, very uh, informative. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I just like my approach is a uh, basic compared to Marco. Honestly, uh, I would just say 
dive into analytics, the tools you have, Search Console and uh, GA or J4 now, and just try to understand what the matrix mean um, uh, and talk to subject matter experts, people who in your organization, if you have people who are specialized in analytics, uh, ask a lot of questions, uh, ask a lot of stupid questions. It's okay. Uh, I have a, like, this is like my experience actually asking stupid questions. So, um, yeah. And, uh, that definitely helps as well, but definitely all the resources Marco mentioned are awesome as well. Absolutely. I think, um, the only thing I would add is, um, for any uh, female listeners out there as women in tech SEO has been the lifeline for me in terms of, um, asking stupid questions really and I do think we will get into so much of the politics around it and stuff but it can be it can be um hard to be in this space as a woman as well and that I would say if there's anyone listening that feels like maybe they're not you know they're not quite quite there or the confidence level isn't there there is a community out there for for us um as well so it would be really cool to have you in there okay that was really brilliant, guys. If, if you have any closing notes or anything, um, let me know. It's fine. Yep, we're all good. We're yep. going to bring David back in to introduce the next week. Thank you so much for uh, such <laughs> yeah. an interesting discussion. Sure, a wonderful discussion today. Well, next month, uh, it's the 19th of June when we're going to be doing the live stream. So if you're watching this, um, the replay, or you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, come and watch us live next time if you can. Sign up at theknowledgepanelshow.com. And the topic of the next show is going to be Becoming an SEO Freelancer. We've already got one guest booked for that so far, Steve Morgan. And we're going to get a couple more, hopefully at least, uh, for that there. So it's 19th of June. Sign up at theknowledgepanelshow.com. Brilliant. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in. uh, And we'll see you then. Bye, folks. Have a great evening. Or die.